Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. A few years ago, I was renting a house in Northern California. The neighborhood was just outside the suburbs... It seemed like the perfect balance of having space and having nice neighbors close enough not to feel isolated. The area had no streetlights, so it got pretty dark at night, especially if there were clouds blocking the moonlight. It never really bothered me though, it just made my little house feel even more quaint on dark nights. So I got home from work one day in midwinter. It was a cloudy night, so pulling up to my house I saw only what my headlights and front porch light illuminated. When I got out of my car, I caught a whiff of cigarette smoke. That was odd too, as I had never smelled that before around that house. I didn't see anyone nearby, so in the end I just sort of ignored it and went inside. I had just got off shift with a few hours of overtime, so I felt pretty tired. Even though it wasn't even seven yet, I decided that I should just take a shower and call it a night. But I woke up sometime later, sure that I just heard a noise inside my house. I wasn't worried right away because my friend would stop by to use my shower after work on his way to his night classes. I even gave him a spare key so that he could stop by even if I wasn't home. He would always text me to let me know beforehand though and I hadn't heard my phone go off. So I reached over to my bedside table and I picked up my cell phone to see if my friend had sent me a text. The bright light from my phone screen and the number pad blinded me. These were the days before phones had a light sensor that would dim the screen in the dark. And this particular phone was so bright that I could use it as a flashlight. 
but through squinted eyes I could make out that it was nine something, but I couldn't tell if I had an unread text or not. I set my phone aside and called out my friend's name. There were a couple of seconds of silence before I heard loud footfalls as someone started running through the bottom floor of my house. I leapt out of bed and ran to the closet. They were already up the stairs by the time that I'd opened the door and stepped inside though. That house had three rooms upstairs, two bedrooms on either side of the hallway, the one that I was in and a spare, and a bathroom at the end. The bedroom doors were both closed but the bathroom door was cracked open. And I heard whoever was in my house thunder down the hallway past my door and into the bathroom. Thank God that he did. That gave me enough time to open the attic access in the ceiling of my closet and hoist myself up there. I had just started to lift myself up when the person ran back out of the bathroom and my feet were barely inside the attic when my bedroom door burst open. I heard footsteps run into my room and stop. When they didn't see me in that room, they ran back to the hallway and into the other room which just had boxes stacked in a corner, some weights and a table where I painted my miniature models. I guess they decided that if someone were hiding, it would be in the bedroom because they charged right back into my room and turned on the light. A moment later, the closet door was ripped open. I was crouched in the attic, just a foot or so away from the access so I could try to stop them if they started to climb up. From my vantage point, all I could see was from about their knee down I think. They were wearing dirty blue jeans though with frayed cuffs and worn work boots and after a few seconds of looking in the closet they stepped away and I heard a loud crash come from my room followed by a scream of frustration and anger and that scream was definitely the most unnerving part of the incident for me. It reminded me far too much of my stepfather who would scream in a similar way when he lost his temper. He would eventually be put into a mental hospital for several mental disorders that resulted in erratic and violent tendencies. The man in my house ran back down the stairs though. I heard crashes and clatters as things were thrown around and furniture was knocked over. I stayed crouched in the attic though, but I had left my cell phone when I ran for the closet and I wasn't certain that I could climb down without him hearing. After some time, the noises stopped though and... I started counting slowly. When I reached a thousand, I decided that it must be safe enough to climb down and call the police. The first thing that I noticed though when I exited the closet was the intruder had flipped over my bed. I assume in an attempt to find me, but that was the loud noise that I had heard after he stepped away from the closet. I couldn't find my cell phone, so I went to the landline by the bed and I called the police. I waited in my room until I heard them call out from downstairs and the first floor was an absolute mess but I had expected that. Chairs had been knocked over, the sofa had been flipped, all the books and pictures and knickknacks that I had on my shelves were strewn across the floor, the cupboards in the kitchen had been opened and all the boxed and canned food had been thrown to the ground. As far as I could tell though, the only thing missing and as disturbing as this is, was a single knife out of the wooden block in my kitchen. The police checked the house from top to bottom. They found that the side door had been forced open by something like a crowbar. They also found a few cigarette butts along my fence line, along with some foil and an empty pen tube which the police said people often use to smoke meth. 
so they think that he'd been watching my house for a while. And it was at this stage that I realized that he must have been out there smoking a cigarette when I got home. They collected up the evidence and told me that I should stay with family or friends that night and get that door fixed as soon as possible. I opted to just not sleep and I moved a shelf over to block the broken door and I spent the next couple of hours clearing things up. I would often go to the window with a flashlight and shine it along the fence line where the police found the cigarette butts and foil but I never did see anything. The next day I called to have the door fixed and the motion lights installed at the back and sides of my house. I ran a phone cable up into the attic and I added a landline up there. I never wanted to be stuck up there without a phone again. But nothing else ever happened at that house though. I lived there too for another three years without another incident. One more precaution that I took though was practicing getting out of my bed, going to my closet and climbing up into the attic as quickly and quietly as possible. And believe it or not, I actually even kept at it when I moved, except now I go to a crawl space at the back of the closet instead of the attic. I uh, try not to think about what would have happened if I'd been just a bit slower getting to the attic or if he hadn't gone into the bathroom at the end of the hallway first. So this happened when I was around 12 years old. It was in the middle of the night at my house. My dad would work the graveyard shift at his work and since it was the weekend I had stayed up most of the night and it must have been somewhere between midnight and 1am and my dad had told me to lock the doors and go to sleep which I did. I went to my room and finally went to sleep but only for about an hour because at around 2am I woke up to the sound of knocking on my back door. It scared me awake and after taking a few moments to process what I heard I decided that it was probably just my dad knocking on the door and maybe he just forgot something. Me being really exhausted, I knew that he had a house key on him, so I just told myself that he would unlock the door himself. But the knocking continued. It was pretty creepy, and then the next thing I knew, the knocking stopped. And then it started again, but this time at a different location, which meant that someone was knocking on the window in my kitchen. I continued to reassure myself that it was just my dad, I didn't understand why he couldn't just unlock the door himself. He always had a key on him. I felt pretty freaked out though, so I wasn't answering the door. If anything, my dad would call me to open the door on my phone, which was next to me anyway. The knocking started again at another window. I was terrified now, too scared to get up and check who was out there. The knocking wasn't stopping though, and the next thing that I know, the knocking moved next to my front door at a harsher level too. And that was when it hit me that I couldn't move. I was frozen in fear. I couldn't scream or talk or move any muscles. My heart was dropping as the knocking moved to another window closer and closer to my bedroom window where my curtains were see-through. I still couldn't move though. I didn't know what to do or say. I could only stay out as my fear consumed me. I moved my eyes over to the window and then my heart stopped when... I saw a man peering through my window, a tall man with a dark ski mask on. I could hardly make out the details because it was so dark, but I think his mask had some sort of a skeleton design on it. He tilted his head slightly, 
I tried to scream, but nothing came out. So I close my eyes hard and start telling myself it's not real over and over again. I open my eyes and nobody's there. I sighed in relief until I heard a loud whisper tell me, I'll cut you. Everything suddenly stopped. I couldn't move again not long after this. I really couldn't sleep anymore that night, obviously. It didn't feel like a dream anymore. I've never experienced sleep paralysis before either, and everything just felt so real. The strange thing too is that I really don't remember what happened that night, but I pray that I'll never have to experience anything like that again. It was one of the most frightening moments in my life that I've ever had to deal with, and I think it was real, but I don't know, I'm not too sure. I was home alone that day, so nobody could really back me up, but the following morning, I asked my dad when he came back from work if he came back earlier that day and knocked on my doors and windows, and obviously, he didn't. What comes to mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? One who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping you won't notice. At Apartments.com, they understand that. When it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, eat what you serve them, and never clog the toilet. That's why they have the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment your perfect, pet-friendly place becomes available. So, when you need a place that's pet-friendly and human-tolerant, Check out Apartments.com, the place to find your pet-friendly place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I'm a 23-year-old woman. I live in a townhouse with two children, two and six months old. My fiancé didn't live with us until two weeks ago when I caught him trying to mess around with other women and made him move out. That's important to the story as well. I'm a stay-at-home mum though and when he did live with us, my ex worked evenings anyway, let me set the scene. So we live in a tiny town in northern Pennsylvania. My line of townhouses sits in front of a big field that runs to a line of woods. And as far as I'm aware, these woods stretch for at least a few miles. And I'm not aware of any houses in there or any roads that lead through them. But my living room has three windows that look to this field. And my bedroom on the second floor only has one window that faces that way as well. 
People do tend to walk their dogs back in the field and kids sometimes play back there, but I rarely ever see anyone close to my house. For that reason too, I tend to leave my blinds and curtains open because, well, I guess I just enjoy the view. So, in July of 2019, I was laying in my bed trying to fall asleep one day. All the lights were off, but I had my window and blinds open since it was so warm. I was looking at the window and I noticed a small red and white light just outside of it. I got up and I looked to realize that the lights were coming from a drone. I ran downstairs to where my fiancé at the time was sitting in the living room and ran to the window. I told him what I saw, but of course when he went to look outside, it was gone. I was paranoid that the drone could have had a camera on it or something and someone was watching me with it. So I decided that I would keep my blinds closed for a while after that. Fast forward to January of this year though, I guess that I stupidly got comfortable and assumed that whoever it was flying the drone was just a, a one-time creep. My blinds were open and I had just gotten out of the shower. I was sitting on my bed pretty much butt naked except for my underwear, scrolling on my phone when out of the corner of my eye I saw lights again out of the dark window. It was that damn drone again. So I ran out of the room and waited for a few minutes. I peeked back into my room and it was gone I guess. I quickly shut my blinds though when I got dressed. Honestly though I felt sick at how stupid I was to leave my window open again. Especially when I was practically naked. But now for the really disturbing part. So my two year old son and I were out in the field two weeks ago, three days after I kicked out my boyfriend, and we were just playing ball. I had my six month old strapped to me in a baby carrier, and probably about half an hour after we had been out there, I heard a slight whirring noise coming towards us. I looked up and sure enough, I saw that damn drone flying towards us. I looked around but didn't see anyone, it stopped right over us. I freaked and grabbed my son and dragged him into the house, looking back at the tree line every so often as we went, because I just knew that they had to be hiding in there somewhere. I went inside, closed the blinds, and I called my mum and told her about the situation. She told me to just keep an eye out, and in the end, I just said that I would. My son likes to line his toys up along the windowsill, so I figured it wouldn't hurt to open them just an inch or so. A little while after that though we made some dinner and it was almost dark. I was feeding my six month old and my son was playing. He was standing over by the window lining up his toys and he started saying dada dada. I assumed that he was missing his father and dismissed him by saying that he was going to see him that weekend but he just kept saying dada though. I looked up and saw him pointing at the window under the little gap the blinds didn't cover and I froze because I remembered that he calls any man with facial hair Dada because it reminds him of his father. But there was no way that someone would be bold enough to actually come up to my window. Not when my neighbors are literally right there and anyone could see them, right? There aren't any lights back there, so I guess that unless someone actually stepped out of the house, nobody would actually see them. Maybe it was my ex, but... He should be at work at that time. I ran to the window either way and I moved my son. I didn't want to lift the blinds but honestly 
I was sure that it had to be the person who had been creeping on me for the past year with the drone and I wanted to see who it was. So I pushed the blinds up and immediately was looking at a man who I definitely had never seen before crouching in front of me. He was bald with a moustache and a goatee. I have no idea how old he was but he could have been anywhere from 30 to 50 I would guess. And when he saw me he just smiled and stood up. I yelled at him and told him to get lost and that I was calling the cops but he just stood there smiling at me like some freak. I was about to close the blinds again when he said something that I, I couldn't hear. I told him to leave again and he said louder this time, I just want to talk to you. I shook my head no and yelled the same thing to him. He started slapping his hands on the window yelling no 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 over and over. I grabbed my phone scared that he was going to try and break in. I dialed 911. My kids were crying from the yelling and I felt on the verge of tears. I told the operator what was going on. The whole time I was on the phone, the man was pounding on my window, screaming now. He was yelling all kinds of nonsense, and I only caught some of it. He said that he'd been watching me for months, that I'm beautiful, that he wants me to come with him. He'll kill my children if I don't. The operator told me to go into my upstairs room and hide until the police arrive. My town doesn't have a police department, so we rely on the state police. And she said that it would be about another 20 minutes, but to stay on the phone with her. The man was practically punching my window now and was just screaming like a maniac. I was about to grab my kids and run upstairs when I then heard somebody else screaming and the man bolted. I looked and I saw my neighbor and his girlfriend. I opened the window and my neighbor said that he heard the man, so he ran around the building he said that when the guy heard him, he ran back to the woods and disappeared in the tree line, and they said that they also had called the police. Well, I must have thanked them well over a hundred times, and the police arrived ten minutes later. They did a quick search around the buildings and in the trees, but obviously they didn't find anything. But I've been super paranoid since then, and I stayed at my parents a few nights after it happened. And I really just don't know why that guy targeted me or why he waited so long to do something. But boy, am I just happy that my neighbors were there to intervene because if they hadn't, who knows what would have happened. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My mum's side of the family has always been far more close and extensive, more of a community than my dad's side, because they live all in one region and most of them stay there for their entire lives. My grandma has many family friends, one especially close to my mum and gran, who I'm going to call Carla. She had been married to a man called Norman for a decade or two, I'm not sure how long exactly, and our families were always extremely close. We would see them every time we went up north. 
Norman used to be a kid's entertainer as well, extremely good with children and always looking after them, but not me and my siblings. My dad, after living in a crap hole for 17 years, didn't trust anyone alone or even supervising with his kids, and was extremely protective, even with close family members, which, man, am I glad for now. So a few months ago, we learned that Norman and Carla had broken up, which is weird for pensioners. And when she saw my gran and my gran asked her why, she started crying and saying something very bad had happened. And my gran knew that it must have been something very dark, but she could just tell. In the present, me and my mom and my aunt are in our villa in Europe when my uncle texts the group chat with an article saying that Norman had been arrested for molesting a child from ages 4 to 16, aka he was sexually assaulting them for more than a decade and also found CP on his laptop. Bearing in mind, Carla had no idea that she was with a pedophile and now could clearly make sense of why his two children were estranged from him, although never proven. But she had left her children and grandchildren alone with him. Many people had, in fact, and at ages where they were probably too young to remember. So we may never know the extent of the amount of assaults that took place, but no one, and I mean no one, expected this man to be a pedophile. Literally, everyone thought that he was just a, a really great guy. My dad then said a few days after it came out that he wanted to babysit me and my younger sister when we were four or five, when my dad was going to a party one day, that my dad's alarm bells went off for some reason, saying that he had felt the same way that he had when Jimmy Seville's assistant told him that Jimmy was a bad man. That's another story. And so in the end, he said no, and never ended up going to this party. But I shudder just imagining what may have happened if he hadn't have listened to his instincts, and it honestly just makes me feel sick. I guess it just goes to show that your gut feeling is right sometimes, and that my dad, he truly is a great dad. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. So this happened yesterday. My brother and I went for a hike to stave off cabin fever from self-isolating. We chose a, a pretty remote trail to lower the risk of coming into contact with other people. I was walking ahead of my brother and the gravel on the track was making our footsteps sound pretty loud. Deep in thought, I was listening to the rhythm of his footsteps behind me. About 20 minutes in, I start hearing other footsteps starting off faint and getting louder until they were the same pitch as his but they were much quicker like a, a running rhythm they suddenly came to a halt and i could hear the motion of someone stopping on the gravel that sudden sharp rocky sound if you can imagine it i assumed that there must be somebody running or jogging on the track and sure enough i saw a shadow to the side of me appear which looked like a person's head next to mine as though they were right behind me 
I stopped and turned around to let them pass because the track was narrow. But when I turned around, it was just my brother staring back at me. He was confused as to why I stopped, so I asked if he was running a second ago and he said no. I asked if there was anyone behind him and he said that he wasn't aware of anyone. I thought that it was strange, but I just sort of let it go and I carried on. About five minutes later, we come around a corner and there was this smell that I can only really describe as just pure death, like a really strong off-meat smell. We figured that it must be a dead animal and we keep going. We eventually reached the height lookout about 20 minutes later, I think. Chilled out for a bit and then we headed back. We passed the death smell and then around the exact same spot where it had happened before, I started hearing the running sounds again. I ignored it this time because it was starting to freak me out a bit and just picked up the pace to get back to the car. I told my mum and she joked that the death smell must have been a dead jogger and I was being haunted by them, to which I laughed at the time, but now, I don't know, I just wonder, what if it was? Maybe I should have investigated the smell, I don't know, but I just wanted to get out of there. So I'll start with a, a little bit of background detail. I live in the UK and have family in a small town which is about a 20 minute drive away I would say from where I am. The family that live in said town are my dad's first wife and my half brother and their families. We all get on rather well and I visit them quite often in fact. When not in the current self-isolation that is. But one evening while driving through in some rather heavy fog... I'm driving along the main road which connects the two towns, a road that I know rather well. I can see the rear of a large dark colored van about maybe 100 to 200 feet ahead with its fog lights illuminated and all seems fine. There's nothing behind me and nothing ahead of the van. I'm following said van for uh, maybe 3 to 4 miles when we come to a rather heavily wooded section round some rather tight corners. And all of a sudden, the fog becomes thicker, which isn't completely unusual along this stretch. But I notice that the van ahead has slowed down, so I bring my speed down to match and continue following the van around the next corner. At this point, the van in front bounces up the curb on the outside of the corner and heads towards a number of trees. And just as the van is about to hit the trees, it just disappears into the fog and sort of vanishes. This is where it hits me rather quickly as I'm driving along. I have two half-brothers. One is still living. The other one passed away in a road accident between my hometown and the town my family live at in a van crash about 12 years ago. And I later found out that the spot where the van that I saw going off the road was the exact spot that my half-brother left the road and was killed instantly when his van collided with the tree. He uh, wasn't wearing a seatbelt, which was very much out of the ordinary for him. I can't be sure what happened that night, but I believe that I watched a replay of his final moments on his way home from work that evening. But this story, it has one more twist. So as I was driving along at the brow of the hill a few corners along, I was just on the road and this rather large deer was just stood there in the middle of it. 
And I don't know, but I just can't help but think that maybe this was all to slow me down and prepare me for this deer that was in the middle of the road so that I wouldn't hit it. But I've driven along the same road many times since, and I've never seen anything out of the ordinary since, even under the same heavy fog conditions. I have a few more stories, but I've been rambling on a little bit too much already, so I'll save them for another time, and I hope you enjoyed this one. Hey guys, so I'm sort of looking for some advice regarding something strange that happened the other night with my girlfriend. So I've always had a strange feeling that I'm being watched by something in my girlfriend's house. For example, the light will flicker when I'm alone in her bedroom and has actually blown three times while it's just me in the room. No other lights in the house have had any issues. I also frequently suffer from sleep paralysis at her house for some reason and I've never really had sleep paralysis in my life before this. Now, the other night I was asleep at my house and I was on FaceTime with my girlfriend who was at her own house. We both accidentally fell asleep while FaceTiming and I would say at about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up from my sleep, I turned to my phone and I saw that I was still FaceTiming with my girlfriend but when I looked at the screen closely, I could see my girlfriend was staring straight back at the camera at me with a sort of blank and slightly angry look on her face, her eyes wide open. I tried to call out to her, but she didn't respond. This went on for maybe five minutes. It scared me half to death. During this too, my bedroom was absolutely freezing for some reason. I called out to her again, at which point she slowly turned away from me and faced the wall, still not saying anything. But when she turned away, my bedroom went from completely freezing to warm again, instantly. I couldn't sleep for another hour after she turned away, but when I finally did fall asleep, I woke up and she was in the exact same position as when I fell asleep. In the morning I spoke to her about this and she had no recollection of what had happened at all. She thought that I was trying to scare her in fact and that I made it up. And she then said that she had a nightmare that night that she got possessed and she said the dreams happened a few times over the past couple of weeks. I don't know what's going on though and I'm just wondering if any of you guys can help or provide some advice. I'm scared to sleep at a house with her because... Something just doesn't feel right. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I have a story from about two years ago that really captivates me to this day. When I've told this story to close friends, they tell me it's straight out of a movie, and I uh, really can't disagree with that. So this starts when I finished my first year of college in the Bay Area. I worked my butt off in school, and I just wanted to have a wild summer, and I would do anything that I could to get out of the house. My cousin was, he's my best friend, and we basically did anything and everything together. 
when there wasn't anything to do, we would just take walks together around my rural neighborhood. I always lived near this old hospital, which used to operate as the biggest trauma unit in my area. And sometime when I was in high school, they shut the hospital down due to unknown reasons. It basically just sat there rotting for a few years before we found it. And one day my cousin and I were drinking a cold one, taking one of our routine walks, and we just ventured away from our usual route through this peaceful random field. We stumbled across this huge parking lot after making it out of the field, but it didn't hit me right away that this was the old hospital's parking lot that we found. We made our way through the lot until we saw this massively grand building just standing outside of the lot. The deteriorated banner said, Emergency Room, and this is when we knew that we struck gold and stumbled across a back route to this abandoned hospital. We knew of this place, but we'd never been there. We hadn't heard of any weird or outlandish urban legends or anything, nor had anyone that we knew been there before us. So we pushed forward and checked the perimeter. And to our surprise, the first door that we walked up to had a rock jammed in between the door frame so that we could just waltz in. I think this is when we realized that this could potentially be a bad idea if we got caught and we could suffer some consequences. So we agreed that we would be quiet and respectful and we would just make it a quick trip. But this is where things take a turn. Or a few turns I should say. So we entered the building and it was the most deafening quiet that I have ever heard. The sound of the door closing behind us sounded like a literal bombing. Once the echo stopped from the door, it dawned on us too that this place was really creepy. We walked slowly, but the floor is covered in glass, which makes even the smallest steps sound like Bigfoot lumbering around a library. We find a patient room, which still has a bed inside. We stop at the doorway to look inside because the floor looks sketchy. And out of nowhere, from around the corner, we hear the faintest, slow, drawn-out whistling. I have never in my life stopped what I was doing so suddenly as well. I just stare wide-eyed at my cousin because even a whisper sounds like yelling in this place. We both have our feet planted to the ground because if we move, those two will make ourselves known. At this point, we both assume that there could potentially be a squatter or a guard of some sort. My cousin hand gestures to me that we have to leave and we can't just stand here because the whistling was obviously not going to stop at that point. We turn towards the opposite side of the corner that the whistling is at and are tiptoeing out to a perfect science almost. And then the whistling just stops. We freeze. Then we hear the glass crunching from around the corner and at this we leg it. Once we get to the door that we came from, we realize that we didn't put a rock in the door frame when we came in, and the door is completely stuck. As we're desperately trying to get this door to open, the glass crunching is now running. We hear the glass crunching until it sounds like it's dangerously close. I'm horrified. We turn around to try another door, and the noise of the glass is literally right in front of us, but there's just nobody there. No one. We book it to another door that says pharmacy and peel open the door. The pharmacy is completely empty except a single perfect placed and aligned landline phone plugged into the wall. The phone is off the hook and is making a dial tone as well, which was weird. The whole thing was perfectly lined up and centered with the whole room and I've never seen anything like it. 
The dial tone was so loud in such an empty place that we could actually hear it as well. But the strange thing is that there wasn't any power throughout the hospital, so how the heck was it working? I was in complete shock, so we just ran further and eventually we found a way out. We left and we never went back. After this, I actually heard of some other kids going there at night. I spoke to them as well and they told me that they heard whistling and thought someone was lurking in the shadows the whole time, just like we did. They never did find the source of the whistling, just like we didn't. But it truly was one of the freakiest experiences that... I've ever had. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.